Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports, a special edition of Bill Roden on Sports. We've got an expanded quintet here. Um, uh, of course, I'm holding it down here in an undisclosed location in New York, upstate New York. Uh, holding it down Brooklyn. Uh, my co-host is the great Jamal Murphy. Murph, what's up? I'm good, Bill. I'm chilling. What's up? Where are you at now? You upstate? I told you. It's an undisclosed location. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, I got hey, you. man, particularly now, man, as wild as this shit has gotten, you know, anyway. Uh, then, of course... We got the wonderful Aaron Matthewson. Hey, Aaron, what's up? Okay. Aaron is, Aaron is frozen. All right, Aaron. She says hello. And, yeah, hi. God, you must be in Harlem, Aaron. Uh, anyway, listen, I want to introduce a really special guest uh, to this sequence. Uh, we've got... Uh, uh, now, guys, I know this is uh, video. It'll probably be mostly audio. So, you know, but we got um, a, a group of folks who uh, were in my class at Arizona State uh, this semester, who tolerated a few months of me (laughs) teaching them. Uh, We've got uh, my left, uh, Vaughn, Vaughn Jones, the great Vaughn Jones. What's happening, Vaughn? Oh, I'm uh, I'm in Tempe, Arizona, Arizona State style. We just found out we're going to be back on campus next semester, so I'm really excited to get to actually stay in, in Phoenix and Tempe. Okay, we'll get back to that. Excited, ancient. Then next to him, the great Harry Croton, uh, Croton's graduate school graduate student. Who I think you're graduating in December, Harry. Yes, sir. One more semester to go. Uh, it's been remote here in uh, sunny Santa Barbara, California. But like Vaughn, I'm very excited to head back to Phoenix. Grace. All right. Now, now Vaughn has got to go. I mean, uh, Harry got to go in a couple minutes, so we'll give him some play. Then next to him, the equally great um, Alex, Alex Alexander Coyle. Uh, Alex, what's happening? Alex is a you're, ju- you're going to be a junior now. Yep, well, I'll be a junior next semester in the fall. So, uh, as my uh, two previous uh, colleagues mentioned, excited to get going uh, and live from uh, sunny and actually finally a good day of weather about Bray's Indiana. I know. Is it, it's not snowing, Alex? Not snowing. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, hey listen. Uh, I'm just curious, you guys. I know there's, a, there's so much to just talk about and. Um, uh, Jamal has a script. I don't. Kind of like like how the classes went too. Um, but but hey hey Harry, you gotta go. I'm just curious to get every each of you guys' reactions to all the stuff you've been seeing. You guys have been seeing demonstrations. You've been seeing uh, you know uh, from you know the 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 tragic death uh, of a few. There've been a few tragic deaths. So just Harry, maybe just start us off. With Harry, you know Vaughn. Uh, Alex, just sort of what's been your reaction to what you have seen? You from California, Vaughn from Tempe, Alex from Indiana. Uh, just just uh, your reaction to what you've seen, and has it opened your eyes or has it just told you stuff you already know? Oh, it absolutely has, and I think for the most part, peaceful protests are what everybody's aiming for, and I think the message has gotten across 
and it needs to keep going because obviously this has gone on long enough. The problem is, is there's this negative stigma attached with the opportunists that are taking advantage <laughs> on the other side and looting buildings and sort of doing whatever they want on the anarchist side of things rather than actually contribute towards the actual goal. Uh, so it's tough to see that because you have a lot of people that are then against the protests in general because they're focusing too much on the negative side. And I just wish that people could look at the bigger picture and try and be peaceful and, and proactive about this over everything else. Yeah. Uh, and and now, now, Harry, you're originally from England, but you're essentially, I guess you consider yourself a U.S. guy. Yes, uh, uh, but I, I just, and I want to note that each of you are, wherever it may, quote unquote, white. I don't know what, Exactly, that means. But for the sake of <laughs> sake of argument, uh, Harry, again, because you got to leave, but I do want to hear from each of you. Have has seen what's going on and filtered it through the prism of somebody who's non-black or non-brown and all that kind of stuff. Has it changed your view of things? And just how does it make you feel when you keep hearing things about you know uh, people of color, disadvantage, uh, in, inequities, that kind of stuff? Just your, your thoughts on that. Well, it certainly made me realize that there are a lot of people out there that still have views that you have to wonder where they got them from. And the only way that I can think is from the generation before them, because I've got people my own age that still have extremely just racist views towards the whole thing that's going on. And so that's what disappoints me the most is that we're not really progressing uh, in that we're seeing younger generations kind of getting the, the, the picture and getting the right message. And I just, I want to be able to make sure that, you know, whoever is passing this info down to other people, that's where we're cutting it off at the source so that we can start to create sort of this, uh, this expansion and progression into more of a, you know, positive mindset for everybody. You meant, you mentioned, uh, you know, you have friends with, with different views. I'm just wondering, you know, from your perspective, do you, do you feel like this is a changing point? Do you feel like change is possible uh, compared to, you know, the last five years or so when nothing really changed? I think it's a changing point because we're starting to see more change in, in literally in the streets and right in front of us. But I think at the same time, these friends of mine, they've got access to people and information that's coming at them, particularly through the internet. And that's never going to stop. They're always going to get that information from other parts of the country, other parts of the world. So while there might be change happening right in our own very backyard, there's so much access to information that everybody's going to always have I don't want to say the wrong idea, but different ideas as a result of who they're talking to that might not be right with them in that spot. Right. Hey, Harry, Harry, just before you go, talk about you during, during the uh, class, you, uh, one of the assignments uh, that you had, you talked about you were a little uncomfortable talking to some of these friends you had. I uh, forget what the column was, but they, they clearly had some, some troubling, troubling in your estimated views about race. Uh, and I guess we had a dialogue about it. Who were those people? And I guess, what does it say? A lot of people say, well, fortunately, we've got this younger generation, and because of that, things are going to change. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. There's still some people who are like 24, 25, who like steadfastly believe this. But what, what did you find? Well, you know, what I can say is that the problem is, is, you know, you have you have people that are influenced by, by whether it's, you know, pop culture or by their grandparents or, you know, even, you know, people in their own family, friends, whatever, uh, 
you're growing up with a particular idea and you're growing up maybe in an area where you're not around other minorities. I grew up in Santa Barbara, for instance, where we have a very, very small black population. So I think that that's had a big effect on the way that my friends have thought because they haven't really been able to get that idea from the primary source. They haven't known people who have dealt with oppression, especially in an area like Santa Barbara where there's so few Um, So having lived in different parts of the West Coast, I feel like I'm lucky a little bit to have gotten a bit of a better perspective. But the people that I'm dealing with now that have these views are are sort of stuck in this one area and they're they're unwilling to to distance themselves out. And the the worst part is, is the the only distancing they're doing is is online, like I mentioned, with other people that share that that same view. So there's just really no there's no learning and growing. Mm. Uh, Hey, I know you got a role, Matt, to another. uh another appointment. Um, but, uh, it was great seeing you again. Uh, you can hang, uh, looking forward to seeing the next version of, um, what'd you guys call it at, at the undefeated? Don't trip. Don't trip. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing another version of don't trip, even if it's not with me. Hey, Vaughn and Alex and, and, uh, Jamal and, and, uh, Aaron just weigh in. I mean, this is kind of a free for all, but anything that, uh, Harry said that, that, got you guys attention or, or I think it's something that um because of the the in like the sheer amount of information we're getting like Harry mentioned this like the information that we're getting from all sides of the country and all sides of the world like you're seeing that there are a lot of people out and protesting I think this is slightly different from a lot of occurrences of the same thing because this has been happening for years and years and years and it's something that finally I believe like we as a society are at unrest and I think that's contributed to a lot of people actually taking a stand and actually going out and actually protesting instead of just being on social media or even just being silent. Um, I was at, I was doing some reporting. There was, um, a, there was a protest in front of uh, Phoenix City Hall because they were discussing their budget this week um, about defunding police and about removing that funding and moving it towards more productive measures. Um, Arizona's 48th in education. And in 2018, uh, police, uh, Phoenix police killed more people than in any city around the, uh, in the country. Uh, so I feel like it's something that um, a lot of people were passionate about. Um, I was there r- reporting and there were people handing out water and snacks and spraying sunscreen. And so I think this opened my eyes to the fact that people are a lot kinder than I really thought that they were. There's a lot of people who I believe are advocating for organized community action uh, as an alternative to police. And this is the first time that I've seen it in action. And I think it was it was heartwarming. It was incredible to see the kindness of these people. Um, and people have painted protesters as violent or looters or anything, but sitting there at that protest, I saw what an organized, peaceful protest actually looked like from the ground. Um, and it was incredible. That was really like my major thought on the situation. Okay. Yeah, Vaughn, you mentioned the, the education aspect of it, it, it when you're, you're talking about the funding. We, and um, Mr. Roden, you mentioned, um, are we at, is, is this a turning point for change? I think this is the first step in the turning point for change. People are now, people that weren't aware before are actually, you know, thinking, you know, something is actually wrong. Now, the next step is probably even more important. The education needs to change and there needs to be change at the top in your local government, in your state government, in the um, country's government, everywhere there needs to be change and in, in, in people that understand um, what is really at stake here. And going back to the education um, specifically, 
um, I believe it was the, the 99th anniversary of the massacre in Tulsa. And um, I hadn't, I didn't learn about that until this year and um, this past semester in my history class with Dr. Longley. There's no mm -hmm. reason I should go 20 years of my 20 and a half years of my life without knowing about something that horrific that was very clearly a, a one-sided attempt. And until those stories and even the, the non uh, the, the not as um, mass scale horrific events, you know, obviously, Mr. Roden said uh, there's been a, a few um, tragic deaths. Unfortunately, there's been more than a few. Um, and until people know those stories and there's change everywhere in government, that next step isn't going to happen. Let me uh, let me ask you, you guys this. Um, you know, I saw a poll uh, on the news, I think today or yesterday. Uh, talking about the you know the difference in perception of the country you know the way the country as a whole feels about uh, whether the protests are justified uh, between now and 2014 when uh, Mike Brown uh, was killed by by the police and in in 2014 I think uh, 50 something percent of people said that that they didn't understand or that they didn't feel like uh, the protests were necessary but now 71 percent do what do you think what do you attribute that difference to? Obviously, you were a lot younger then, but why do you think people are so outraged now as compared to then? I, I think, honestly, um, just the, the widespread of this video. I feel like in 2014, there were a lot less people on social media as a whole. Like Twitter's user base just in general has exploded. Uh, Instagram's has exploded as well. So I feel like the more people are, that are on social media, the more people actually saw what was happening. Um, I, for one, am not like super I, I didn't super enjoy like the video made me uncomfortable and it should and that's why i feel like a lot of people watched it more like this made me incredibly uncomfortable something has to be done about this so i feel like uh the more people online and more people staying informed than where there were in 2014 and social media growing and becoming more of an outlet for news than uh oftentimes like some newspapers like i feel like this wouldn't have gotten national coverage if it didn't absolutely explode on social media so a lot of national coverage is looking to social media for their news and trends now more than they were in 2014. yeah um, go ahead Alex. Um, <clears throat> something very important in there is that the video made him him uncomfortable and i think that people are struggling to like some people are struggling to talk about it because it makes them uncomfortable and they don't want to sound like they're against something and, and they don't want to touch the topic because it makes them uncomfortable when that's the exact time things need to change is when when it makes you uncomfortable it should make you uncomfortable and it should make you want to change and think about it you know if you're not uncomfortable then why are you going to change and when you feel uncomfortable, that should make you start thinking about things and think about ways to reach to a level where everybody can walk down the street. Everybody can do whatever they do without having fear, um, whether, whether that's um, anybody doing anything. They should not have fear of, of their life. Bill, can I jump in? No. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey Eric, come on in. Come on in. Sorry. Aaron Matthewson. I just, and sorry for the background noise, guys. This is such a good conversation. I'm so glad to be part of it. Um, two things. I think that the reason why, uh, Jamal, that the difference is 
um, the whole thing about was it, I think people always sort of justify these killings like, oh, like Mike Brown, you know, he made, did he steal something? Did he attack the officer? Was the officer really afraid? I think people really like, I think that that gets people caught up a lot of times. And with this video, not only was there not a shooting, it was, it was a man who looked, he didn't really show a lot of remorse, just leaning on, leaning into somebody's neck, pressing into someone's neck. Um, you hear him begging to, he can't breathe. He's like, please get off me. He says that many times he calls out for his dead mother. Like, in a lot of the other videos we've seen, we even with Ahmad Arbery, it was really sad. But we we watch somebody run and get shot, and it's it's horrible, but it's horrible in a different way. Like we don't often see this kind of like cold-hearted killing. I think I don't anyway. Um, so I think that was a big difference, um, and I think the fact that we've been told if you resist, if you just don't resist arrest, you will survive a police encounter. How many times are black folks told that this man, from what I can tell, didn't resist arrest. He, um, he, I think he tried, he didn't want to go. He was in a cop car then he was pulled out. But like, as far as I can tell, he wasn't doing anything wrong and he died. Right. And from on a $20 bill because of a counterfeit $20 bill, that's bull. Um, it's horrible. And then two, I think I just want to say about protests really quick. I, I love that people are focusing on the peaceful protests and I'm sorry I got kicked off for a second. I think, you know, I compare the protests to um to the body. Like when something's wrong, your body gets inflamed. Like your knee hurts, your head hurts, and that's that lets you know that there's a problem. To me, the violence is really an indicator of a big problem. And I'm not so mad at it, but I do want, I do need people to focus their energy a little more now. Now we know people are super angry. What are we going to do? Like it needs to be a little bit more organized, but I'm like, I feel like there's some righteous indignation here. And, you know, like, I don't want people to ruin people's property or hurt anybody, but like, I, I don't. I think it's a lot to put on people who are tired of being harassed to also make them policy wonks and be like, okay, what's next right away? And I think it's also like people are feeling like peaceful protest has been ineffective, and that if you're if you're peaceful, that also means you can be ignored. And I think there's a lot going on in that people are trying to like reform the movement. So I just want to add that. Hey, hey, hey! Let me let me ask you guys this. Remember, uh, Jamal, we did a podcast maybe about four or five years ago, uh, uh, with the wine guy. Remember the wine guy? Yeah. And he's white, white, yeah, one of our white brothers. But uh, he said, and I want to ask you to this, uh, uh, Alex and Vaughn, he said he didn't really feel afraid of the police. That, like, when, when he got stopped, it was just like, you know, hey, you got, he, yeah, hi, officer, how are you doing? And I'm just wondering, you two guys, are you guys afraid of the police when you get stopped? Are you, you fear them? Do you fear for your life with each encounter that you've had in the past when you either get stopped or daily interaction? Vaughn and Alex? Yeah, so I actually got pulled over uh, three times within a week last year. And only, uh, only got one ticket because the other one, the other two, one wasn't, they weren't pulling me over. They were pulling the person over behind me. And that one was for uh, a bumper. But anyway, the only reason I was afraid was because of my parents. Huh. I had no, no fear of what the cop was going to do, do to me. I had no fear of, of 
any of that stuff. I was just fear, afraid of what my parents were going to say. Mm, interesting. Yeah. What about you, Vaughn? I personally, um, you're especially like I grew up in like a pretty decently affluent area. And that's like that, like you don't encounter police a lot, like in those kind of areas. Uh, you're taught, especially like, you know, growing up, going to elementary school, they had police in our classrooms and they're like, we're your friends. We're here to help you. Here's how you, you know, stay safe. So I personally don't like I have never been afraid of police. I don't I don't fear it. And I know that it's probably because I'm white and that just, it's, it makes me, it saddens me because I know that there are a lot of people that do. And I know that there are a lot of people that just based on the color of their skin, police officers will act, you know, more violent, more aggressive towards them. How do you change that dynamic? Because that's not a, as Aaron was, that's not a quick fix. I mean, that's, that's something ingrained in the foundation of the country <laughs> how do you how do you fix that? And, and, and is watching what you've watched has it made has it changed your attitude toward police? I mean, I, I, I'm just want to get a little deeper here. I, I've yeah. always oh please go ahead. Okay, uh, yeah. So um, it, obviously, this is a, a kind of a controversial controversial figure in terms of um, things that they have done in the past and and the things that they do. But um, Dave Portnoy of, of Barstool Sports, he did say one thing that I really, really thought and agreed with is how do we get to where everybody, you know, when the police are called and police come, in my view, it's like, okay, they're here to help. I'm going to be okay. How do we get everybody to have that same feeling? How do we change it to where everybody has the same feeling and the police don't overreact to, to simple things. That's how, what we need to do. And how we fix that, it's got to be start from education. It has to, that's, that's education. And, and, and like Vaughn said, you know, why are we spending more money on a police force and training them militarily than, you know, educating our children. And I think that education has begun become too much of a political issue in terms of um, public, private, all that kind of stuff. Just educate people. That shouldn't be a fight. Vaughn, you were going to say something. Yeah, I um, I feel like there's a way there's there's effective ways through legislation that you can um, kind of slowly change this dynamic. Um, there's something called warrior policing that's taught in a lot of major states across, like major cities across America, that allow for police, you know, to tap into their inner warrior. And I feel like there's a lot of anger uh, when you like in a police force. Like if you tap into that anger, then you're going to make mistakes and you're going to do things like keep your knee on the neck of an, of a person who just used a $20 counterfeit bill. Uh, if you stop, you know, teaching warrior policing, if you demilitarize the police, if you stop giving them like high grade military weaponry, which really does not make any sense in the first place. Um, if you remove power from police unions, because that's the number one thing that's been protecting police and allowing them to continue to get off with doing violent crime. Uh, if you strip them of their union, union related power, their monetary power and their politically granted power, uh, then you change the dynamic of how police uh, protect citizens because then police are actually protecting citizens and police aren't just protecting um, the people that grant them the power, the people with the money, the people with the political power. So you have to change that dynamic and make sure they serve their people. And my also number one thing, a lot of police officers come from outside of where they serve and that cannot happen. You have to mm -hmm. actually live in the communities that you serve because if you live outside, you don't understand the dynamic of the community. Let me ask you, you guys, this. I mean, one of the one of the other big themes in the media recently um, has been, you know, white people saying 
uh, you know, we we never, you know, we never knew that this was going on. Like, right. I had, you know, I had I had no idea, you know, because we, we never had to deal with it. You know, it's not something that we have to think about. And, you know, as a black person, you know, my father was a civil rights lawyer. So, you know, ever since birth, I've, I've had that realization of what's going on. And just as a black person in general, I think, you know, obviously we have to, to deal with it. So so to me, it comes across as a suspect, almost like, really? Like, is that it, it, can that be true? But at the same time, white people are saying they don't walk in our shoes. I don't I don't work walk in your shoes. So I'm just curious, is that a real explanation, uh, even for some people? Or is that another uh, case of denial? Yeah, the only way that, that I could, um, you know, that that would make any sense would be number one, ignorance, or number two, being uninformed in the way that the education system has failed. That's the only two that any adjectives that you can put on that, because there's no reason for that. Like, I, I don't understand how, like growing up in Indiana, very, very Republican state, obviously, most majority white state. I'm I, I'm very aware and a lot of my friends are very aware of what's going on. So if you don't know and you claim that you don't know what's going on, you're either ignorant or the education system. Failed you. Yeah. Uh, I, I, if you're ignoring, if you like if the ignorance is number one, chosen ignorance is definitely something that it's you, you choose to plug your ears and close your eyes. That's something that you de- like you definitely see, especially in generations where social media isn't as dominant, like as a Gen Z human being, I'm on social media and I've known and I've been on social media for long enough to see these protests come and go and to see these videos, video after video after video of police violence on, on black people that seem unjustified so it's something that uh, you really have to understand that if you don't under like if you don't know that this is happening then you have intentionally plugged your plugged your ears and closed your eyes yeah i guess uh, I, I, we were going to take a quick break because i want to i want to talk about some real some journalistic issues i want to talk about drew Brees and uh senator cotton and what's fit to print what's not fit to print but before you leave this i i guess one of my things is I we have a discussion the other day, you know, and people were saying, oh, we 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 with the undefeated. We want to hear what more white people have to say. I said, listen, man, you know, I'm not gonna follow any white people into my battle. And they said, well, why? I said, well, because I've seen too often where after they get bored with the shit, you go back being white. So you know what? This has been fine, but you know, it's getting a little too hot. Oh, I'm bored, and I'm gonna go back to white privilege. Which is, you know, I mean, when, when brass tacks come, that's an easy thing. So I'm just wondering, with you guys, we've asked you, do you think this is going to stick? Or do you think that, you know, when a new flavor comes, people get tired and you kind of just go back to being, you know, well, I'm white, I'm, I'm, I live in this, you know, fabulous neighborhood, uh, I'm doing this, that. Uh, or do you think that there is something about tyranny, tyranny, that th- that you feel threatens you no matter what color you are this this will stick i feel like i'm pretty passionate about this i feel like we're coming at a point where a lot of number one a lot of cities are discussing their budgets like major cities are discussing their budgets and people are seeing and they're coming out with there's billions of dollars going towards police and now politicians and people realize that that can't happen and that's one of your steps to take is to start slowly removing funding from police so i feel like this is something that will stick 
Um, I feel like this will, there, there's always going to be a racially motivated issue in the United States. So white people can feel free to go back to being white. But I feel like there are people that are going to start devoting their lives to public good because of this. There are people who are growing up in this time who realize political inadequacy. And we're going to see more um, progressive politicians who handle race issues because they've grown up during this time. Like if you are, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19 at this point, your college decisions are still ahead of you and you can get education to become a public servant and a public figure and become a politician. So it's something that at this point, you have a, a new generation of people who are really going to handle this a completely different way. So I think this is something that's going to stick. Yeah. yeah uh, to, to pick about back up a couple of those comments, there's, there's two big things that I think um, will make this thing stick. Number one, and, and probably the most important thing in terms of to getting get long-lasting results is November voting. Voting, and not even just November, if you still have primaries to go. Like Indiana just held their primary on Tuesday, and I was very proud that I um, uh, got to go to the ballot box and vote. Voting in your primaries and voting in the general election and getting the people that we can trust with those um, uh decisions on where money goes and things and not just the people that have already failed the system right now choosing where that money goes actually people that we can trust with that and then number two the people that actually care keeping the message out not just having people um posting something just to be like all right i posted my thing i i'm gonna do it for, for the clout and all this no i actually care about the issue keep the message going doing that and voting are the two two most important things that are going to um, make this thing stick <laughs> Hey, let, let's uh, let's take a quick break, um, and when we come back, uh, Alex and Aaron and Jamal, I want to talk to you about two things that has to do with us as journalists. Um, Drew Brees, of course, everybody's been all over that, and also uh, Senator Cotton and the New York Times. There's been a big uprising at my former paper about the decision to uh, publish a, uh, a some consider a very inflammatory op-ed. So when we come back, let's discuss all the news fit to print and, uh, you know, blah, 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 when we come back. Once again, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has over 180,000 book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of the Bill Roden on Sports podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service, we highly recommend that you check out the classic $40 Million Slaves, The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete by the one and only William C. Roden. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on sports. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on sports for your free audiobook. Everybody's aware of, of Drew Brees was on a, a radio show, a TV show. And he was asked about the national. I mean, if I clear this up, clean this up, but essentially his response uh, to being asked about uh, what would happen if people would protest this fall, take a knee, he said he's not okay with people taking the and disrespecting the flag, the military, and all that. And he was lambasted. I mean, front, I mean, he was just, you know, just killed for the most part. Um, and then, of course, the New York Times. Uh, made the decision to uh, publish an op-ed by Senator Cotton, a very inflammatory 
uh, depending on what side of the aisle you are, inflammatory to some about sending in the troops. And of course, the Times has sent a lot of staffers were angry. They denounced the decision. Um, and of course, just today and yesterday, top executives at the Times have been apologizing for it. Just wanted, uh, Aaron, you're now with CNN. Um, just your thoughts, number one, and actually I want to ask you this too because you are very much engaged in in the media now at Arizona State. Uh, Aaron, your thoughts uh, about both both topics, Breeze, Breeze and, and the New York Times. Maybe Breeze first. Okay. Um, well, I sent you and Jamal a text saying, I didn't know Drew was like that. And what I meant by that was I didn't realize that he was one of the players who felt that not standing for the flag equal disrespect. And that's really where this all blew up in flames. It's fine. If you want to stand, no one's mad at you for wanting to stand. But when you are like, oh, you're disrespectful and you've seen, and we're talking about police brutality and Colin Kaepernick, it's like you, you missed the mark for sure. And Breeze acknowledged that. Um, there was a lot of talk about how would Breeze, the only people Breeze really had to apologize to or really deal with was his, his teammates who have to trust him after he made those comments. I think he's trying. Um, I think he's learning and it's amazing what money and it potentially, this, this is probably going to be his last year in the, the league. Maybe like he's trying to win a Super Bowl, So he needs to have everybody on his side. And there are already people talking about, they can't wait to meet the saints and get at him. So he had to do this. He had to apologize. I think, I don't, I don't think he's disingenuous in his apology, but you know, if he didn't get all this flack, I don't think he'd be doing it. Right. Yeah, what, no, what, what, yeah, yeah, Jamal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what he, I think the biggest thing that that got all this feedback from people was that they didn't really know Drew Brees. You know, or, you know, his coming into this, I think his his reputation was pristine and that he was just the nicest guy. And you know, he he you know we didn't really know his political views. And then only recently, uh, you know, you, you saw him with a a picture of um, a picture with Donald Trump. And then so people were, were asking themselves what that, what's that all about? So I, I just feel like, you know, he's, he's probably, he's always felt like this, but you know, he's never really talked about, you know, his feelings. So I think people were mostly surprised because he has such a, such a, you know, that image, that pristine image that, and people were like shocked that, you know, he said something that was disagreeable um, in terms of the actual point he made. Yeah, I think I agree. I thought it was, you know, it was, it was, it's, it's disrespectful to say that the, that you're disrespecting the flag, you know, and, and, and it's been, people have been expressing that over and over that it, that it, it's never been about the flag. I think uh, Ernie Johnson from, from uh, TNT said it maybe best that I've ever heard anybody say it when he said, you know, you just can't, you know, you can, you can respect the flag and all that, but you can't, you can't put the flag over your eyes and, and let the flag blind you to every other issue. And I think that's one of the things uh, that Drew Brees is doing, you know, he has the right to his own opinion, but we also, we have the right to look at him differently based on an opinion. Um, and, you know, him apologizing for it. What, you know, what are you really apologizing for? Um, you know, that's how you feel. I mean, you're sorry. You're, are you sorry about that? I, I don't get the whole apology thing. Just if you have something to say, say it. maybe, you know, I guess you can say, you know, I didn't, maybe I said it wrong. I didn't mean to offend 
people, but then you have to take the whole statement back. <laughs> you right. know, so right. Alex, what, what do you think? I mean, you're a, a junior uh, journalism major at uh, Arizona State Crockett School, covering the news. You're doing play by play. You're and all that. Uh, you, uh, what, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Uh, take us to what you thought when when you first saw Colin Kaepernick kneel to breeze to now. Have you have you evolved or have you been consistent or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will say originally. Um, I, I was a lot, a lot younger, obviously, um, when Kaepernick first um, kneel, first sat for the anthem and then, and then changed to kneeling. And um, I relied on a lot of other people's voices to that were close to me to inform my opinions on it. So I don't think I was as um, correct in those opinions. I thought I, while I completely agreed with what he was standing for, I didn't agree with the, I guess, the business side of it, uh, mm-hmm. of of like Michael Jordan said, Republicans buy uh, shoes too. But now, when I now that I've been able to get my own information and and actually understand people's stories, let's think of this: what's more disrespectful to the flag, kneeling for the anthem, or disrespecting and oppressing people? The flag should stand for freedom, unity, and 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 respect on on all aspects. And it's not. So what's more disrespectful to the flag, the, the oppression of people or kneeling, which technically, um, as Kaepernick went to a Green Beret, I believe it was, and, and asked how he could do it respectfully to those troops, what's more disrespectful, oppression or taking a knee for, what, a minute and a half song? <laughs> Let me ask you issue this. And I've been wrestling with this too. First of all, you know, we talk about we always want to have – tough discussions about racism. You know, we have to have tough discussions about racism. And I guess that goes both ways. You know, the tough discussion goes both ways. Not only do you, as somebody who might hold racist views or whatever, have to hear what I've got to say, but, you know, i got to hear what you got to say, too. And that might be tough also. You know, and it seems sometimes when we talk about we want to have tough discussions, it only goes one way. You know, you know for me lecturing you. Uh, and then, you know, we, with, with athletes, we want to have athletes speak out. And generally, often when they do, we beat them up. But then when they speak out, but they speak out, let's say about some conservative shit they like, we don't like that. So, no, 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 no. We don't mean speak out about shit I disagree with. I'm talking about speak out about stuff I agree with. So we want to hear LeBron and all that. But what happens if there's a white guy who says, yeah, well, you know, hell, I, um, I don't think you should kneel. I just don't think you should kneel. I'm sorry. I, I, I love you. You're my teammate. I don't think you should kneel. I think it disrespects um, blah, 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 blah. Do we shut it down or do we say, okay, that's all part of having these tough-ass decisions. So can we have it both ways or, 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 or am I not seeing it wrong? Well, we know that's not true. Of course, I'm not seeing it wrong. I think the response, you know, I think people, you know, people are allowed to speak, but also people are react, allowed to react to it. So I don't think that just because, you know, say you say something that I that I disagree with or that I find offensive, I'm allowed I'm allowed to say that. You know, I'm I'm not telling you not to speak. I'm just saying, oh, that's how you feel, and then and then I then I respond to it, or then I then I no longer but you know, you you know, know I no all- longer take your 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 opinions right. as seriously. But you know, Drew Brees said that back in 2016. This is not new. He didn't just start saying this. He said that when Kaepernick first knelt. 
that he thought it was disrespect, blah, 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 blah. So so that brings up another issue. Either somebody's being disingenuous or whatever, Aaron, you're itching to get in. I'm sorry. Bill, timing, there's such a thing as um, pay, being tone deaf. It is fine that Drew Brees wants to stand. Stand all day. But you're in the middle of one of the, like, what people are calling the, the biggest protest in about police brutality, about people... Uh, about violence against black people and and you're like you're being disrespectful and how that how that uh sentiment is connected to anti-blackness or or people's feeling about anti-blackness i just think you it's fine you have to think about especially when you have you're a public figure and you're that level you do have to think about the timing of what you're saying um, I think, and I think you're right. It does have to go both ways. And I feel like people weren't criticizing him for saying, well, no, they were criticizing him for a lot. And a lot of people in the ministers <laughs> are mad that he's apologizing and right. so mad that he said it at all. Right. Uh, but they're, they're mad that he didn't see that. They're like, do better. And I think that's okay to say and also, and, and not just that. I mean, you're right. The timing is huge. I think, you know, I would, I'd be, I would, I was bothered. I didn't, I don't remember the 2016, uh, Thing when he said it in 2016, but if I, I would have been bothered by it then, but you're right, timing does matter because if you are willing to say that now, that 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 means it's a deep, deep feeling within you. Okay, so now I can, so now I really can see where you're truly coming from. If you're willing, because you know, even people who really think that are being smart right now and saying, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm not going to touch that that kneeling issue or I'll maybe, maybe I'll explain but, it way but a little you, But Jamal, do he we... says that now, we know he means it. But Jamal, Alex, and all that, do we, do we, you know, do we want people to, to be politically correct and not speak their minds? I mean, as, as you know, as sports journalists, we complain that these guys give us these damn vanilla answers. They don't say what they really feel. Do, I mean, don't we want people... So I want to know what you, what you feel. I mean, if, if you say that... Uh, if a guy says something like, you know, one of the white teammates, and you know there are a lot of white teammates who are like probably feel the same way. But Bill, you know? that, it, that's, a, that's also a, kind of a social media thing too, where he says something and then everybody jumps in and gives their opinion. It's not like, if, say, if we had Drew Brees on, on, this, uh, on this podcast right now and he expressed those views, we would just have a conversation. You know, we would continue right. the conversation. We would ask him why or ask, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't smash him. We, like you mentioned this to me before. If we, when we talk to people on, in an interview, we don't kill them for what they say. We right. have a discussion about it. But that's the, different, that's the different format we're dealing with where now you say something, uh, it gets printed, and now the whole, the whole point of the Twitter medium is to respond to it. So, it look, so now people are just, it's a one-way conversation against him. Right. right. Yeah, the, 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 the issue I think is number one, people are too worried about having their idea be right. You know, right. They, they, they don't want to even acknowledge sometimes what other people are saying and try to have a conversation. They were too worried about being right. And, and you worried, or you mentioned, do we, are we okay with people being politically correct or do we want them to speak out? If they start speaking out in wrong ways or in what some people think is incorrect, that's when you can start educating them on why they're wrong and how they're wrong and where they can change. If people are just saying um, things to look politically correct and, and, and look like they're do, being okay and, and being woke to it, there's not going to be a conversation right. there for change. Let's deal with the New York Times. 
and the issue about Senator Cotton. They, he, uh, the, the, the Times editorial uh, page agreed. They, they ran, they, they, they ran this, uh, think, sent in the troops. And now the op-ed uh, editors, senior editors at the paper are now apologizing. And again, my, my question to you, Jamal, and Aaron, and, and, and Alex, is, again, you know, at what point do we want to hear both sides? At what point is it not right to hear both sides? Uh, in the New York Times case, they're saying that, well, it, it was that it was rushed in the paper. Uh, it, it would maybe not fact or whatever, but I'm just wondering, and I worked there for 34 years, um, what's all the news fit to print? And again, is all the news fit to print, meaning that we only have, this is what's fit to print. These are the parameters of disagreement, but we don't fit all the news fit to print. What, what do you guys think about that just journalistically? What do you, what do you think, uh, Alex? And yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I'll go even further and bring it closer to, to home for me. Um, there's been a discussion about what is objectively, uh, objectivity really. You know, is it, do we have to be um, fair to both sides in every single, every single thing? Or are we able to recognize something that is objectively wrong, especially in this case? And it's, and it's a discussion that a lot of um, my fellow students at the Cronkite School have been talking about as to how um, maybe we've been educated in the wrong way, where we have to be, remain neutral on every topic. And this is one of those times where you don't have to be. And it, it, if it's, you know, that, that you are, the saying is you're bringing a voice to the voiceless, right? Well, are you really bringing the voice to the voiceless if you're being fair to the people that's suppressing the voiceless? Right. You know? Good point. Yeah. Although, uh, Aaron, I, mean, I want to hear, hear you in because you've been, uh, since you've been with CNN, all hell is broken loose and you sort of had to vet this. But one thing I will say, Alex, I think that was the importance of the column, the, the commentary class that you took and that there is a role in commentary. There is a role in the column. I mean, that's sort of why that form is invented so that you can cover the news and follow the truth where it leads. But then as a columnist or somebody who's commenting, you could also comment on it. I do think there is a distinction, but, but, but uh, Aaron, what do, what do you think? What do you make of specifically the times issue? So, Bill, I'm still thinking about it, and unfortunately, we've been so focused on George Floyd and the protests, we haven't gotten to even tackle this, really. Um, you know, I, I first, maybe I'm na naive, but I'm like, it's, it's an election year, people are trying to position themselves, either you're with Trump or not, you know, like, I feel like this guy is with Trump, and this yeah. is Trump was like, I'm the law and order president. He talked about this. It's not surprising to me that some senator was also echoing this. And the fact that all, that you felt like police officers bore the brunt of the violence, I mean, I to, to have that be your like focus or the first thing out of your mouth just says a lot about where you're coming from. Like, yeah, they did, they did bear some, some violence. Sure, we, we've seen people hit them over the heads, but I, I don't know that I'd describe it as bear the brunt. Um, I mean, but, you know. but should we run that story? But if 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 I'm the editorial director, page director, should I run that story, or should I say again? There are probably more stuff in the weeds about that. Or should I say no, 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 no? We're not again to your thing of timing. No, no, we we're not going to run this. We this no, we're not going to run this. No, you run it like 
the president just said his first thing, his first, the first words out of his mouth were, I'm the law and order president, we're going to send him military. Yeah, it's relevant. Like, I don't, I, I think it's fine. I mean, I, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, I'm furious. I don't agree with him, but I'm also like, I'm waiting for these folks. I'm actually worried about like a white supremacist backlash, to be quite honest, after so many white men are being like vilified right now. I'm just so nervous about what's going to happen. So this, I'm like, oh, somebody, please, yeah, share, share what you're thinking. <laughs> Get yeah. it off your chest. Blow off steam. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, yeah, I think you, I think you run it. We, you know, you, I mean, he's a, he's a United States Senator. I mean, he has, he has the right to, to write an op-ed in the New York Times. And full, full, full disclosure, I didn't read it. So I don't know how horrible it really was. Um, but, you know, regardless, you know, he's, a, he's free to write it. You should publish it. And then the reaction is the reaction. I think, I think it's all fair. Yeah, and a thing that I would say is, would we be having these kind of conversations about that if they didn't publish it? You know, would yeah. we be having the conversations of, okay, this is actually, like, this is even worse than we thought it was, and we got to vote this guy out if you disagree with him type thing. Would we be having those kind of conversations if that kind of stuff isn't published? Yeah, and we'll probably find more. I'm sorry, Aaron. Um, as as I interrupt, no, I'm saying I'm sorry, and I'm gonna speak over you. <laughs> no, what we, no, what we gonna say? <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, Bill. You know, you and I. Well, we all, especially you, Jamal, and I have all talked about how debate brings ratings. Like, you may hate the New York Times, but you're talking about it. You had to go to the New York Times to read that stuff. Like, and 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 and, and even the Times. I mean, people will tell you that you know, almost single-handedly, better for worse, you know, he virtually saved the industry. I mean, as, as hateful as this man is, because they almost had to decide, we have, we had three Trump stories every day, <laughs> you know, because as soon as you say Trump, it goes up, and, and that's not good. I mean, I think uh, Arthur Salzberg would say, yeah, well, Hitler had probably had clicks too, and we don't run that. So I think that you run a, 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 a thin line. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just think that um, as we wrap up, Bill Roden on sports, I, I think that us in, in the media, we keep saying we have to have these tough conversations about race. And I'm like saying, well, it's tough both ways. You know, there's some shit I don't want to hear that I, I got to hear. And there's some stuff you don't want to hear and you got to hear it. But I guess the worst thing, like you were saying, Aaron, is that you hear all this stuff festering. So I want to know who you are. You know, if you're my next door neighbor and you've got these kind of views, I, I kind of want to know. Right. I don't want to all of a sudden get sandbags. Damn, I didn't know you thought like like Drew Brees. Okay. Like you said, now we know. Right. You know now we know. Now we know that, what you say, uh, Eric, that he will probably be the most sacked quarterback <laughs> in the <laughs> league this year. Blitzes, you know, all our blitzes. And, blitz, and, and nobody, and all, all the, he's got the all offensive line is black. Oh, man, I didn't see that one, Drew Sign. I didn't see him. <laughs> so, there'll be, you'll be seeing more inches of, of his line picking him up. Sorry, baby. Didn't, I'm sorry, didn't, didn't see that one coming. <laughs> anyway. Before, before, yeah. before we get out of here, though, I want to, um, I want to ask Alex one more thing about, uh, you know, you mentioned, or at least a couple of your, uh, your fellow students mentioned that they were coming, you guys are coming back to campus. Uh, they expressed that they were excited about that. Um, I'm wondering, you know, we, have, we still have the coronavirus going on, even though the media isn't covering it for some reason now. Um, Arizona is one of the states, even though you haven't had that many cases, it's, it's still on the uptick uh, most yep. recently. Um, wh- you know, how do you feel about 
um, being back on campus, being uh, back in school, and also um, you can talk about the sports too. Do you do you feel like sports should come back? Uh, you know, college football, college basketball. Yeah, so I actually got to uh, sit down with uh, President Crow yesterday, President University. Um, me and uh, uh, four other of my colleagues at the State Press got to meet with him and, and two other of the top officials at the, at the university for, to discuss their plans. And um, in, in their discussion, while there are some things that I think could be tweaked, um, but the, I feel like we're going to be safe. Um, they, um, have three modalities in which, um, they're going to run university. One is going to be your normal in-person class. One is going to be, um, what's called sync, which is basically how we ended the semester, which was, um, you know, you're in your zoom, you're, you're, you're doing the same work just over, um, like we're having this conversation right now and then another online based. So, and this allows you for, to, you know, if you're sick, if you're feeling something, you can stay um, in your place and still attend class. And if the professor is nervous about something, they can stay and still teach the class while people are in the class. Um, he, uh, the testing that they've developed, um, they've developed a saliva test, um, the university has. And they said that they have, while they have the capacity to test everybody, they're going to focus on testing mm-hmm. those that want tests and those that have symptoms. And if everybody wants to test, they're going to get a test. So um, they're going to go about it in a safe way. Now we're going to uh, go into the sports aspect of things. Um, I obviously sports journals and major sports are, are, are my thing and, and I really care about them. So yes, I would love to see sports back. Um, but again, it's about, um, how are you, uh, president correction mentioned that he's, he wants every athlete tested once a week. Um, and, um, some different sports will be like football and wrestling, for example, since they're close combat sports are higher risk of spread than say a gymnastics or something. So, um, monitoring those. So I, I think there are ways that we can do this in a safe way. And I'm looking forward to it. Well, we'll see. <laughs> so stay stay safe um there, there's a lot to unpack but you know next week uh you know we still got the nba that's now it's coming back uh you know everybody wants to come back uh i, I think that we'll have a discussion next week is is money at the root of all this i am to think it is that you could put any type of window dressing that you want but this is about money and a money thing and which you know we all benefit to some extent but it's about money um so uh alice carl will be a junior at arizona state university play-by-play uh person's going to be doing play-by-play this summer uh in the um uh midwest collegiate league in his home state of indiana it's gonna be very exciting uh of course the great aaron matthewson uh speak to us from harlem i think can i share something that's really good Yes. If it's good, yes. <laughs> Alex, I have I have a reputation for sharing maybe not so happy news. Um, but um, <laughs> you know, like last week we there was that big mile marker, um, and the Times did that huge thing. They had the the front page about a uh, hundred thousand people dying of COVID. Well, also we are approaching almost five hundred thousand people being recovered just in the United States. And that number doesn't get enough. That's from Johns Hopkins. And that doesn't get enough um, attention, I think. And that's important to note. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> good news. Good news. Uh, good news. <laughs> I know maybe we ought, to, we ought to, during the duration of the COVID, we ought to end our thing with good news. Right. Jamal, your turn. You got some good news for us? Uh, 
Not really. Well, <laughs> not really. <laughs> I, did, I did take I did take an antibody test uh, recently, and it came back negative. So I don't have any uh, I don't have any antibodies. But that might be bad news. When you think uh, how'd you get How'd you get that? How'd you get the? You no, know, in New York, you know, it's pretty. In New York City, you know, it's pretty easy to get tested. Um, and the state, the state has put you know one official uh, government testing spot, one in each borough, um, and basically they encourage anybody to get tested, whether you have symptoms or not. And oh. Alex was talking about that they'll do on campus at Arizona State. So, you know, I, I took advantage of that, got the test, and uh, I haven't had it, which I was somewhat surprised about having been on subways and Madison Square Garden and all that kind of stuff. But so far, so good. Cool, cool. Alex, you have any good news? Um, good news, I guess. Uh, like you said, I'm excited to get to work with the Midwest Collegiate League. Um the Joliet Generals, even though they, we won't be playing in Joliet, Illinois, we'll be playing in Northwest Indiana, but uh, excited to get going with that in a safe way. Cool. And my good news is that bittersweet that we're going to end this podcast. No, that's not good news, but, <laughs> you know. Uh, hey, listen, uh, everybody be safe. Have a great week. This is fun. You know, Alex, thanks for joining us. Yes, Maybe thank you. We'll, we'll kind of expand our podcast. Really interesting hearing from you guys, you know. All right, everybody. Uh, Bill Roden on sports. Have a tremendous week. Stay safe and uh, stay focused. God bless. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.